Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. This is Race for the Prize. You can follow me on Twitter at Race for the Prize. You can go to RaceForThePrize.com. If you want to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR Spreadsheet, that's where the information is. Simply just Venmo, PayPal, Cash App money over to me. 30 bucks for the month of February for all of the spreadsheets. Or just 12 bucks for a given weekend. We've got Daytona coming up. And let's talk about Daytona. Before we do that, here is the tentative Daytona schedule for shows. Thursday night at 6 p.m. Still trying to line up a guest. I think I got one. And then the Xfinity race, 4 p.m. will go live on YouTube. And then for the Daytona 500 Sunday at 1.30, tune in for a live for lock. Ask questions, have fun, enjoy your time. We'll talk trucks today. I know it's a little bit early to talk Daytona trucks unless you are a super nerd like me. And I'm assuming you probably are a super nerd like me if you're looking to DFS trucks podcasts. That's what we're doing. And what I really want to focus on are underdog teams and their performance in the Daytona 500. I mean, in general, it's fun to look at this, but also in DFS because you're likely going to need to roster one of these underdog teams or two of these underdog teams. And so you probably want to know how often at Daytona does a small organization in the truck series come through. We bring this up because when we talk about the Cup Series and we look at results and past Talladega or Daytona results, and you can see some here on your screen here. I'll sort them by average finish in Daytona just to give some information for you to look at. And if you want to look at your own information, as always, just go to racetheprize.com, get some information. Just simply Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App money over to me, and you'll get an idea of what's going on. That's an interesting thing right there is that Zane Smith's average finish at Daytona is 7th. His average finish at Talladega is 29th. Carson Hosefer suffers from the same disability. But just some data to chew on right there. But your best average finishers from last year's pool, Rhodes, Infinger, Spencer Boyd. Anyway, what I was saying was in the Cup Series... About, I mean, there's not a huge fall off from best to worst. There's a lot of parity in the field in the restrictor plate race at Daytona and at Talladega. It's pretty even for the most part. The equipment's not that big of a deal. When we compare and contrast that to the truck series, it's a different story. We'll just start from the equipment perspective. In the Cup Series, a Rick Ware car, yeah, it's not as fast as a Hendrick car, but it's not completely buried. It's not impossible for a Rick Ware car to hang on to the lead lap if it chooses to do so. It can compete, and it can turn it on towards the end of a race. It's not the best, but the gap is not quite a chasm between the haves and have-nots. In the truck series, that gap is much wider. We could see a truck that makes it into the field, or a handful of trucks that make it into the Daytona field, that have literally just been dusted off and haven't been used in years or have only been used sparingly at plate tracks over the years that all have been salvaged at one point or another. The equipment is just not anywhere comparable when we're looking at being even as in the Cup Series. Sure, the Rick Ware cars are not on the par of the Hendrick cars. But when we look at the Truck Series, we got some literally bad trucks to make it into the field. And if that's the case, then a lot of these long shots, whether it's sports gambling or in DFS, it's 
really tough for them to end up inside the top 10. Thus, it is very tough for them to end up in a winning daily fantasy lineup at DraftKings. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but it typically is dependent upon carnage, which would be our next point, is that carnage can happen quite frequently at a truck series race. That happens frequently in a cup series race, but the first race of the year, Daytona, trucks, Friday night, we have seen some pretty wild races. And that's another situation of where the haves and have-nots are much closer in the cup series, whereas in the truck series, it's pretty deep. So that's an experience thing. So we know the equipment's a little bit closer in the cup series. What about experience and skill and talent? Sometimes we get cup series drivers who don't have a lot of experience in plate racing. For the most part, the majority, 75% even, of the field in a Cup Series race at Daytona have got plenty of super speedway races under their belt. They know what they're doing. And the few that do not, the few that have been rushed up into the Cup Series, well, they have been rushed up into the Cup Series. And if you're going to rush someone up into the Cup Series, they're a skilled and talented driver. And... The plate racing is not going to be the most challenging racetrack for them. Although they're not going to be as good as a Joey Logano or a Denny Hamlin, they're not going to be a complete fool out there wrecking the entire field. That's the Cup Series. You've got experience, and those that lack it tend to already be excellent drivers that it does not take much for them to figure it out. That, a priori assumption, would deductively lead us down the path of There should be fewer wrecks. We know we're going to get wrecks. But whether that means more or less wrecks, in comparison to the truck series, it absolutely means fewer wrecks. Because when we look at the truck series, we have a field of drivers because it is a lower level, you know, growth, developmental, however you want to say it. Now, some guys stay in the truck series forever. But for most people, it's a launching pad. It's where they start their career. And if it's a place where you launch or you start your career, then that means most of the drivers lack experience. And there's no necessary, there's no guarantee necessarily that these drivers in the bottom are really good drivers and that they're going to immediately figure out plate racing and that they know what they're going to do and know that they know they can handle a 200 mile per hour pack. It's not even that there's not a guarantee, it's almost a guarantee the opposite, that they don't know what they're going to do. And so when you compare and contrast, the assumption then becomes that in the truck series, there should be more wrecks. There should be more chaos. You've got trucks that aren't very good. You've got drivers that may not be very good, but absolutely lack experience. All those factors add up to much more carnage and chaos. Now, if that's the case, much more carnage and chaos, then the door cracks open for smaller teams to survive and get a top 10. Now, top 10 does not, again, guarantee that you're going to be a top DFS pick. We know that on average, we look at the winning DFS NASCAR lineups, we tend to see finishing position probably a little bit higher. We can look and we can see top six finishes. We can see that the Daytona, let's look at last year's first. 
and 2023 at Daytona. Where is she at? All right, here. Your average starting position of a top six optimal pick, 22nd. The average finishing position was sixth. We had drivers finishing between one and seven. That was your top five scores, but you did get a Timmy Hill who finished outside of the top 10, 16th, with a 32 starting position. Not a top 10, so he's not going to appear here in a second when we talk about top 10 underdog drivers. But you got to draw your cutoff line somewhere. I could have widened it some, but I didn't want to go through and mainly enter a ton of information. I chose top 10 as my cutoff line. I think that's a pretty decent number. If a small team driver finishes inside the top 10, I'm operating under the assumption that they're likely going to be optimal, considering that many small team drivers start deep in the field. That's a lot of place differential points, as you can see with Timmy Hill. But if you don't like it, sorry about that. That's where I drew the line. We can go and look at other optimals. Here's old Timmy Hill again, 35 to 14, not quite a top 10, but again, starting way in the back. And then the rest of our top five at Daytona in 2022 finished somewhere between first and eighth. So top 10, 10th is actually stretching it a little bit. 10th may not be good enough, but from my perspective, a top 10 finish for a very small operation that maybe races three times a season, that's a pretty good quality effort. And whether it matters in daily fantasy, that's fine if it doesn't matter. Let's give them some credit. Let's talk about it and at least explore the idea and open the door to the idea. And we can look further at numbers. If you look at 2021, you had drivers finishing anywhere between 1st and 12th. Average finish of 5th. Again, not quite 10th. Uh, kind of far away from 10th. But still, you had Chris Wright here, 27th, 12th. That wasn't a small team, though. That was nice. 2020, 1st to 10th. Jason White gets you the small time, small town, little boys, top 10. Daytona 19, this was chaos. I tell the story all the time about leaving North Carolina and driving all the way, not just to Ohio, but another four hours to Cleveland, Ohio, and thinking, oh, man, I'm going to miss out on this truck race. I got to Cleveland, so I got out, we got out of school, packed the car up, threw the one-year-old in. Was he even one at the time? It wasn't even one at the time. Four months old. Drove. And so, you know, we're stopping along the way. Not really taking our good old time, but you, you have to stop with a really young child. Sometimes you stop, not necessarily because you want to, but because you're still a new parent. You're freaking out. Is he still alive? Is he breathing back there? Do I need to go sit in the back? Is his head slunched over? Is he dead? No. You're just a new parent freaking out on a... Nine-hour journey from North Kakalaki to the Firelands. Anyway, long story short, we make it to Cleveland by midnight. The race is still going on because it was absolute carnage. If you can look at the optical lineup and see Josh Rayum, Angela Rook, Bobby Gerhardt, top DFS plays. I mean, Angela Rook finished in eighth. Daytona 2018, you had drivers finishing anywhere between first and ninth. Daytona 2017. Once again, you had drivers finishing somewhere between first and ninth. The old Kaz Grala win. DraftKings, after that win, is like, hey, can you write us a quick article because the guy's from Boston? Sure thing, dudes. 
and I wrote it up and like, we're going to pitch this to some media outlets and see if we can get some traction. You know how much traction that got? None. It was fine though. It was, it was exciting. It was Saturday morning. Hey, can you write us real quick? Cascrala release. And we're going to send it out. We're going to see if we can get something here. Yeah, that's cool, man. Cascrala, young kid. When's a Daytona? Car's flipping over him. He drives through a gap. And uh, whatever. That's the life in the media business, I guess. 2016, much more closer. You got two to seven. Interestingly enough, we don't see the winner here. What's the doing that? Anyway, there you go. Those are some of the finishing positions. Let's look again now at the underdog teams and how often they pop off. So if we look at 2023, just one small operation. Got a top 10. It's Cody Robaugh. Expect bigger things from him this year? I don't know. We'll see. I expect bigger things from Roper. Maybe not necessarily Robaugh, but he's definitely going to be in play. You're going to see his name pop up several times here on the Daytona sheet. And at least Robaugh runs a lot of races each season. I don't know if he's running a complete schedule like he did in years past anymore, but he'll definitely be at Daytona. Finishes fourth in 2022. We had four pop up. We're stretching it a little bit. I'm counting Charlie Henderson, even though Charlie Henderson's operations pretty decent, but they don't run every race. They tend to run the road courses with Kligerman. They tend to run the plate tracks. They don't do as many of the intermediate tracks or short tracks. It's a toss up whether you, if you're talking about funding, again, I don't think Henderson's all that wealthy either, but this is definitely not Thor sport. It's not Nice. They're not out there with four trucks every single week. Um, it's not Tricon or Kyle Busch. So, you know, if you disagree, that's fine. I slid Charlie Henderson in there. So he was one of the four in 2022. Daytona get top 10. Randy Young's definitely a small operation. Randy Young's going to pop up quite often at plate tracks, doing well. He got a sixth place finish, and his team also got an eighth place finish in the 2022 Daytona 500. And then you got Rackley, War. Maybe you don't consider this a small operation. They do have ties to some big teams. They do run full seasons. They've got Ty Dillon in the truck this year. They had Matt Benedetto in the truck last year. They've had Byron jump in from time to time. They've had some stars race this truck. That was Matt Benedetto in 2022, finishing 10th. They also remember one Talladega that season. So if you disagree with that being a small team, that's fine. If you disagree with Henderson and Rackley, then it's two, but if you accept these guys as small operations, then four drivers in 2022 got top tens. Something to keep your eye on when you're building your fantasy NASCAR truck series lineups that you can't just stuff all big teams into your lineup. Maybe you can, but the small guys got a chance. We look at 2021, we got Roper and Robaugh sneaking in. Roper is going to be much more bigger of an organization moving forward. It appeared with Infinger, but that remains to be seen. Regardless, at Daytona, Roper and Infinger are definitely going to be drivers to look at. Moving down the road, it remains to be seen if they're going to have speed at the intermediate tracks or short tracks. We'll worry about that when we get there. Practice data will give us some information on that. But as far as plate racing goes, Roper will be alive this season. They finished third at 2021. Robot finished eighth. So you got another two. So we're seeing a decent little pattern of one, four, two, 2020, we got two more in Jordan Anderson and Cody Robaugh again popping up. 
Anderson finished second in the race. Roball finished third. You needed them in your fantasy NASCAR lineups. Jordan Anderson should have won that race. Just wasn't quite aggressive enough. What are you going to do? Drives me crazy. But things have worked out for Jordan Anderson since. His Xfinity operation has definitely grown. Good job for Jordan Anderson, but make no bones about it. He was definitely a small operation. Cody Roball is a small operation. Actually, had another one in Josh Rayum. Although Josh Rayum, they have bought a lot of assets and may be on the ascendance and could be not necessarily a big time team this season. But Rayum may not necessarily be, you know, I would not categorize Rayum, at least one of their trucks, with J.J. Cobb and Norm Benning anymore. But when we were playing Daily Fantasy NASCAR in 2019 and 2020, Rayum was firmly in the category of J. Joe Cobb trucks, Norm Benning trucks. I mean, just absolute prayer punts. With Rayum going out and hiring some, I think Mike Skinner's coming in. They got another crew chief they brought in. I can't remember who is the driver that's going to take over for Rayum. It's a solid driver. They bought some owner's points. They're really going for it this season. Not quite as going for it as Spire has been in all the series. Rayum is taking a step forward. How much forward? I don't know, but I could easily see Rayum being right there battling in that second tier. I don't see Rayum battling with Thor, Tricon, or uh, Rev Racing, or whatever the iteration is now of KBM. But I do think they can hold their own uh, against Young, even though I think Young's mainly the Xfinity now, but you know, that 20th place battle, they can be right there with those guys. 2019, we got three more. Another young truck finishing fourth. Rayum truck finishing sixth. These were pretty much the only places the Rayum truck would run well. And then Joe Nemechek finishing eighth, which if this is not the John Hunter Nemechek truck, that was not a small operation. That was pretty well funded. This was a secondary car driven by Angela Rook, so I put it in here. The equipment might have been pretty good, but the driver was not very good, and I can't imagine that Joe really unloaded a lot of resources on old Angie in this race. I'm going to put it there. Uh, at the very least, it is an underdog. At the very least, it is a long shot. Angela Rook finishing eighth. She escapes the carnage and gets top finish. Tim Self, truck finishing ninth. Even though Tim Self has been around for a while, still is with AM Racing and various ARCA and Xfinity Series teams, it is a lower underdog operation. We have three more there. 2018, fifth place, the Randy Young truck. Ninth place, the Jordan Anderson truck. 2017, we get another Tim Self, second. Ricky Benton in fifth, and Tim Self in ninth. Another Benton. Just to double check Ricky Benton to make sure, because... Just because he's not around anymore doesn't necessarily mean that he was a small-time team when he was around. American Professional Stock Car Racing Team, Monster Energy. Let's pull up the old Wikipedia. Just a cross-reference. Yeah, pretty small. Nothing really that big from what I can understand. Here were some of their drivers. 
Dennis Setzer, Clay Rogers, Rudiman ran a handful of races for him. Scott Riggs, it's halfway decent. Oh, crew chief Matt McCall got in there. Ross Chastain put together a handful. David Gillen. They actually were able to pull in some decent drivers from time to time. But the fact that they're always pulling in different drivers from time to time during the era of... Uh, 2010 to 2019, Austin Theriot, a couple of Timothy Peters years, but he DNQ'd in these races, so this would be the biggest tell to me that, yeah, this is a small operation. Sure, you got Timothy Peters at the end of his career. Wasn't very good. He's not even qualifying for races. Uh, hard to believe in this truck. Wasn't too bad, but big Cole Witt, the lion. I'm considering Ricky Bensville. You can, you can split hairs on that. That's fine. So 2007, South Benton Self, 259. 2016, Benton Third, Jerry Brown, which is Brandon Brown, finished his fourth. The epitome of a small team. Mark Beaver finishing fifth. We've seen Beaver quite a few times in the Cup Series. Absolutely small team in the Cup Series. Really not much bigger in the Truck Series. And we'll see Beaver again. 2000, and you also had Young in sixth, Bob Newberry in ninth, going way back, and then last but not least, 2015, Newberry, Dodder, Benton, Chris Balich. So we've got 28 times over the last 10 seasons. So we just do some simple math. 28 small truck operations over the last 10 seasons have top 10 at Daytona. So that's about 2.8 per season. We'll just round it up to three per year. It's almost half of your daily fantasy NASCAR lineup. Now, if one of those guys finishes in 10th, it's not really a guarantee that they're going to end up in the optimal lineup. But they're definitely available because we can look and see. But what I would venture to guess is that at least one small operation is going to end up in the optimal lineup. Maybe not all three of them. Maybe not both of them if there are two, but at least one. We'll look at last year. And you got Colby Howard as your small team hero. You got Timmy Hill as your small team hero. You get two that pull through. Actually, let's let's look at it through racing reference. This will make it a little bit more clear so you can see the team name next to the driver as we finish up this pod. So there's Howard for Robaugh. And then, who else did we say? Timmy Hill for Timmy Hill, which was outside of top 10. All right, we go back, and let's go to 2022. And we got Danny Bone, Timmy Hill, and Boner was racing for Pete's race results. 2022, Daytona. Race for the trucks. And we look at our top tens. We got whew, a little exhausted today. Timmy Hill finishing 14th. Great. What's uh, the previous race results? I want to go with previous races at that track. I don't spend much time on racing reference, obviously. I just use my spreadsheets. It's much more easy and convenient. So 
That's a simple mistake. There's Timmy Hill 14. And then Bone driving for Randy Young. Again, at least one of these small team guys. We got two of them in the off pool. So if you're building lineups this year, looks like you're going to need two. There's Cody Robaugh. There's Jordan Anderson. Robaugh for Robaugh. Anderson for Anderson. Roper for Roper. I don't really need to pull this up, but I do if I want to because I got to go backwards by clicking on these buttons, so I have to pull this up anyway. Let's go 2020 as we wrap it up. We'll give you further proof of who you need to roster. You got Jordan Anderson. You get Nat Decker, although I think she doesn't qualify. She's with a decent team. Robaugh for Robaugh. Jason White was probably with Ray Yuma. We'll look at that in a second. Looks like three guys. Let's double check it. And we'll see. You know, Decker was running for Nice, so I don't even consider her a small operation. But I do consider Robaugh to be in that situation. Jordan Anderson to be in that situation. And Jason White running for AU to be in that situation. So you can look at this data. Do with it what you will. I think I might consider doing a similar situation for the Xfinity series. Because it's pretty similar circumstance. Maybe even wider. The separation of really good cars from bad cars. Really good drivers from bad plate drivers. Again, in the Cup Series, skill's not really that big of a difference. The equipment's not that big of a difference. Everybody's available. In the Truck Series and in the Xfinity Series... The fear is that chasing some of the really bad trucks in the back doesn't seem like it's going to work because of their equipment, because of their talent level. But as we have seen today in the data, some of these smaller operations still come through with top 10s. Now, it has been more experienced drivers for the most part, or even owners slash drivers that have carried the flag but it is not impossible. These weren't complete randos with complete rando trucks. We did see quite a few young trucks. We did see Robaugh pop up quite often. We saw Ray Hume slide across a few times and Jordan Anderson. They weren't, you know, necessarily dust them off trucks. So it would behoove us to look at the Xfinity series and see, all right, is this a race and especially a daily fantasy NASCAR contest that is dominated by the haves and at least the almost have, you know, the Ryan Siegs of the world, the Tommy Joe Martins of the world, or do we really want to go balls to the wall and pick a very teeny small operation with a wildcat behind the wheel? From where I stand, now having looked at the data and not put the sheet together, I would assume that's probably not the case to, or the route to go. Taking the Wildcat, probably not the best bet. Probably want more of the heavy hitters in my lineup and not so much chasing pure place differential, taking the place differential that I can get, and maybe I end up with one small team operation. We'll have to see it to look at the data. But where we stand with the truck series, it seems like four of your drivers should be pretty solid, and then... Two, just wild ones. Not completely wild, but small guys. We can look at the lineups real quick. 
just a general idea as we close out this pod. You have Ben Rhodes, Kligerman, Zane Smith, Tanner Gray. Those are big teams, big names. That's 2022, 2023. If we go forward, Zane Smith again, back-to-back Daytona wins. Tyler Ankrum, Tanner Gray, uh, Grant Infinger. I mean, even Colby Howard has tons of experience. Timmy Hill has tons of experience. For them to end up in the winning Fantasy NASCAR lineup is not a surprise to anyone who's been playing Fantasy NASCAR. They've done it at regular tracks. So, all right, we did 2022. We'll go to 2021. We've got Ben Rhodes. Corey Roper's your small team, but enough experience. Ryan Truex, familiar name. Jordan Anderson, small team with tons of experience. Cody Roball, small team, tons of experience. Chris Wright, Nice, not really a small team. And Chris Wright has quite a bit of experience, although he's burned a lot of your daily fantasy NASCAR money, especially at the road courses. He's not some complete unknown stepping onto the track for the first time out there wrecking a bunch of trucks. 2020, again, looking for big names versus uh, small team names. Part of your lineup, one of the six is a big guy. Uh, Decker, in your mind, obviously he's not a big guy, but it is a decent team operation. This one is eh, Derek Krause running for McAnally. That's a big team, so half of the lineup. I would suggest just looking through here without going through every one of them. At least three are solid drivers for solid teams. They may not score a ton of place differential, but you can see on the screen they are scoring a significant amount of place differential. And we'll go over that in another podcast, starting position versus finishing position in the truck series, and we'll do that for the Xfinity series. We've pretty much already done that in the cup, but we'll probably have one that I explicitly lay that out as well. But with the bigger guys, I am going to want to get as much place differential as I can. You can get Ben Rhodes starting 23rd. Yes, please. Ben Rhodes starting 27th. Yes, please. Now the argument's going to be, well, everybody's going to play Ben Rhodes. Well, good. They, they made the right choice. Well, I'm going to leverage that because the ownership's going to be too high. All right, please just give me your money. Thank you. Good job. You just outsmarted yourself, you lunatic, because all you want to look at is leverage and doing what everyone else doesn't do. All right, it's Ben Rhodes starting outside of the top 20. Like, What are we doing if we're not playing by some sort of statistical method? I mean, it pops up again in 2018. You know, some people are like not even, you know, they think they're playing 40 chess. And really what they're just doing is punching themselves in the face. Because they just want to go so crazy with game theory and leverage. Like, come on, man. Come back down to reality. We don't need to make it that much difficult. I know sometimes I could be accused of taking a checkers approach and not being as complex and complicated as I need to be with these podcasts or with my lineups and not getting on with all of, you know, the advanced metrics or the AI and the simulations. And I get that. And I completely own that. And to be accused of that really doesn't bother me. None of the, nothing really bothers me. Any accusations to be quite honest, but and I'd open not to bother anyone else by saying, like, you are going too far with the game theory or leverage people. Come on. Come back down to earth. And I hope that doesn't offend. If it does offend or is taken the wrong way, I do apologize. Even if it's just someone taking it the wrong way and that's kind of their own thing, I apologize. I'm sorry. I don't mean to put you in the position where you take things the wrong way. But to anyone else out there, uh, this is plate racing. We start cars in the back. We don't have to make this into a 
polynomial equation. This doesn't have to be the most complex if-then statement in the world. It doesn't have to be an algorithm of, well, if they play this guy, then you have to leverage in this situation. But if they're doing this, then you got to leverage back to the under-owned small guy. But if there is a full moon and the crow howled at 4.40 a.m., then you have to reverse course. You got to do a little bit of a dance, but then you play a guy starting 15th. So if you're able to follow that algorithm, that's kind of what it's like watching some people talk about plate racing at fantasy. Look, just play guys in the back. What are we doing? What are we doing? Thanks for joining me. Again, you can just go to racetheprize.com to get information about upcoming shows. The duels, Thursday night at 6. Xfinity, not 100% sure this one's going to go off, but we'll see. Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m., and then Daytona, 1.30 p.m. on Sunday. We'll do a live show on my YouTube channel. Jump in, have some fun, enjoy yourself, and also consider sending over some PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App Cash, and I'll send you access to these fancy NASCAR shred shapes. Make you part of the team. Uh, blessed for having you guys around. Love you guys. RaceForThePrize.com. See you soon.